Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can find out more and give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon will be joining us. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always has interesting things to say. He'll be joining us as well. It is June the 23rd, and on this day in 1972, Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 is enacted into law, Title IX prohibited federal-funded educational institutions from discriminating against students or employees based on sex. It begins, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in or be denied the benefits of or subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. As a result of Title IX, any school that receives any federal money from the elementary to university level, in short, nearly all schools, must provide fair and equal treatment of the sexes in all areas, including athletics. Before Title IX, few opportunities existed for female athletes. The National Collegiate Athletic Association, or the NCAA, which was created in 1906 to format and enforce rules in men's football, but has become the ruling body of college athletics, offered no athletic scholarships for women and held no championships for women's teams. Furthermore, facilities, supplies, and uh, funding were lacking. As a result, in 1972, there were just 30,000 women participating in NCAA sports as opposed to 170,000 men. Title IX was designed to correct those imbalances, although it did not require that women athletes uh, receive the same amount of money as men's athletics. uh, It was designed to enforce equal access and quality. Women's and men's programs were required to devote the same resources to locker rooms, medical equipment, training, coaching, and practice times, travel and per diem allowances, equipment, medical facilities, training, training and uh, tutoring. Scholarship money was to be budgeted on the commensurate basis so that if 40% of the school's athletic programs and scholarships were awarded to men, 40% of the scholarship budget would also be earmarked for women. Since the enactment of Title IX, women's participation in sports has grown exponentially. In high school, the number of women and girl athletes has increased from just 295,072 to more than 2.6 million today. In college, the number has grown from 30,000 to more than 150,000. In addition, Title IX is credited with decreasing the dropout rate of girls from high school and increasing the number of women who pursue higher education and complete college degrees. No question, this was a big, big step forward for uh, humanity, for women, for the United States of America, and uh, for a lot of women who got to to compete and demonstrate uh, their abilities. Wonderful thing. Hopefully we can keep Biden and the rest of those folks away from this transgender nonsense because uh, women are women and men are men and should compete on that basis. Well, Myra Daniels, arts advocate who built the institution known as Artist Naples, formerly The Phil, and made uh, Naples a cultural destination, died Wednesday morning at age 96. 
She grew up in Chicago, was by her parlator savvy for donor motivation, her love for the arts, into a second career as founder and CEO of the Naples Complex, holding what is now originally the Naples Philharmonic Center for the Arts and the Baker Museum. Its Daniels Pavilion was named for her, and her adjunct uh, adjacent structure, the Stabile Education Building, was added to the complex later on. Under her leadership, the fledgling Naples Marco Island uh, Philharmonic developed into a professional symphony that fields masterworks and pop seasons. The center brought in entertainers from Donna Summers to uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Alice Cooper, and more. <clears throat> According to her obituary, she was born in Myra Janko in uh, Gary, Indiana, and raised during the Great Depression by parents who encouraged her to an interest in the arts. Daniels earned her bachelor's degree and master's degrees from Indiana State and later became the associate professor of marketing at Indiana University, the first woman to hold that position. She truly was a groundbreaker. In her mid-twenties, she started Wabash Advertising in Terre Haute, in Indiana, and later became executive vice president of Roche Rickard Henry Hurst Incorporated in Chicago. The National Advertising Federation honored Daniels as the Advertising Woman of the Year in 1965, the youngest woman to receive the award. According to her biography, a memorial celebration for her life will be held at some later date uh, to be announced. I had uh, many opportunities to visit with her. In fact, I can recall having dinner with her on uh, Christmas Eve. Such an interesting woman. And uh, anyhow, her passing, she meant a lot to what happens and the landscape here on the Paradise Coast. Well, Collier County ranks 14th among the healthiest counties in the Florida. Let me repeat that, 14th. This is according to the latest standing for Florida U.S. News and World Report. Now, you, you may recall just a couple of years, it was we were first around the nation out of 196 uh, different localities. Lee County didn't make the list of the top 25 healthiest counties in the state, but came in 27th. At the top of the list are St. John's County and Sarasota County, ranking 30th, third healthiest, and according to the state list. The news magazine, in conjunction with CVS Health, released Wednesday its fifth annual overall 500 healthiest communities in the U.S., which delves into uh, 10 categories and provides scores in each. The categories examined are population health, equity, equity. What's equity got to do with it? Hmm, what if that has anything to do with our standing and our rankings? I suppose it does. Education, economy, food, nutrition, environment, public safety, uh, community vitality and infrastructure. Uh, the top communities are Los Alamos County in the United uh, uh, in uh, California, I think. Well, where is that? New New Mexico, and a top spot in Falls Church in Virginia, number two, and Douglas County, Colorado, number three. The data behind the healthiest communities ranks uh, provides a deep dive into the state of health equity in our in our country. Need I say more? Uh, what's happened is uh, we've plummeted in the polls primarily because of this whole issue of equity. They're starting to include equity in the measurement of healthiest and happiest communities in the United States. Well, perhaps we're, based on equity we're not, but uh, we are a pretty happy and healthy place. The majority of Americans say that the economy is the number one issue determining how they will vote in this year's midterm elections. A recent survey by Redfield Wilton Strategies Ask respondents, which issues are you most likely to determine how you will vote in November 8th in the midterm election? The survey asked respondents to select the top three issues. But among the litany of choices, the economy effortlessly, uh, uh, with no problem, topped the list with 61% identifying it as a top issue. 
No other issues were closed. Healthcare arrived at a distant second at 31%. Abortion hit 30 to 27%, followed by immigration at 22%. The economy also stood at the top issue as the top issue for voters of President Joe Biden. Voters 55% and former President Donald Trump 77%. The survey was conducted on June the 15th. 1,500 people participated, so pretty accurate. But it's the economy, stupid, as they <laughs> as they once said. And uh, it is again now, and it's going to haunt uh, Biden. In fact, on a speech on Wednesday, uh, he uh, called upon Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for the next 90 days, spanning through the busy summer travel months, and called on states to either suspend their gas taxes or find other ways to provide relief at the pump. At the pump, there's an 18-cent federal gas tax on each gallon of gas. The first uh, gasoline tax was implemented in 1932, with the funds being used to help keep the upkeep of nation's highways. Now, of course, uh, that was the purpose, but the money has now just been melted into the rest with the rest of the money, and none of it is, of course, being allocated specifically for uh, infrastructure. But nevertheless, Biden said he's proposing the gas relief over the summer without affecting the highway trust fund. Now, listen to this logic. And here's how we do that, Biden said, with the tax uh, revenues up this year and our deficit down over $1.6 trillion uh, this year. Along, we'll still be able to fix our highways and bring down the gas prices. We can do both at the same time. Now, mind you, this is $1.6 trillion deficit was uh, based on the uh, infrastructure, or the uh, uh, stimulus plan that was uh, issued. <laughs> He's basing it on that. But nevertheless, this is just voodoo economics. I call on companies to pass this along. Every penny of this 18-cent deduction to consumers, this is and will now no time for profiteering, he continued. Biden also recommended that states either suspend their gas taxes or find other ways to deliver some relief. Hey, man, look, I'm running for president again. we got to get re-elected. So he's now throwing uh, the burden now onto the states. Gas taxes is average 30 cents per gallon in the various states. Already, some states have enacted. In Connecticut and New York, the governors temporarily suspended their gas tax as well. In Illinois, the Colorado, uh, governors delayed their uh, theirs to give families a bit more breathing room as well. Uh, Biden said, noting that Minnesota has proposed giving uh, households a rebate to help pay the gas or other essential needs. I'm calling on more states and local governments to take actions like these, thanks to our historic economic recovery. I'm not kidding. You really called it a historic economic recovery. In the meantime, many economists are saying we're now in a recession. Anyhow, fortified state budgets that have been hurt in the pandemic. States are now in a strong position to be able to afford to take some of those actions. Of course, some of the stimulus program was to just send money to the states, irrespective of their needs. Unfortunately, that's what he's referring to. They now have the money they didn't have before the stimulus package. Biden continued on calling on Republicans that have stated that the Biden administration's policies have directly affected gas prices at the pump. He said, I know my Republican friends claim we're not producing enough oil and I'm limiting oil production. Quite frankly, that's nonsense, said Biden. Here's the truth. Just this month, Americans produced 12 million barrels of oil a day. That's higher than the average under my predecessor. I haven't checked this out. What do you want to make a bet? That's probably including just a couple of months during the pandemic. Anyhow, we're on track to set a new record for today. I'm calling Congress to suspend federal gas tax for the next 90 days through the busy summer season, the travel season, said Biden. 
And all nonsense. In regards to uh, refineries that shut down during the pandemic, Biden stated he sent a letter last week requesting that these companies work with his administration to bring these refineries back online. So it's not just oil production alone. The problem is, as he'll say, the problem is refining of oil and gas at the pump, he said. Biden continued in stating that this is a time of war and global peril and uh, urged gas companies to bring down the price you are charging to the pump uh, to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, they need relief. And now, he said, oh, my goodness. What a leader. He's so pathetic. He, and, of course, he blamed Putin and uh, the Ukraine and the situation there for driving up the pass, uh, price of gas. Unbelievable. He then pivoted and called for more clean energy sources, stating that we can deal with the immediate crisis of high gas policies and still seize the clean energy future. I'm not kidding, he said that. Man's in just total denial. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a, uh, we focus primarily on K-12 through education, um, and we get very involved in uh, basically three pillars of activity. One is uh, legislative cycle here in Florida, uh, you know, promoting and advocating for school choice, um, getting rid of the indoctrination in our schools, et cetera. Uh, we also work really hard to develop what we call kids first teams in multiple counties. Um, we have leaders in about 20 counties across Florida. And of course we focus on solutions and Florida has some excellent solutions that are alternatives to uh, government schools. So that's the primary thing we do, uh, during election cycle, we do get involved in uh, in, in competitive races, uh, as a 501c3, we can never tell people who to vote for right. or against, but we can, um, we do run forums, we do vet candidates, we do do voter guides. And so we're, uh, given that it's, uh, the election primary election seasons upon us, uh, we're somewhat involved in that as well. Yeah. And an important date just passed this past Friday, as I understand it, those that could qualify to be on the ballot, that date is now passed. Uh, any repercussions or any uh, conclusions from you? Well, you know, there's some uh, new news items that uh, happened. Um, and I'll, I'll take Board of County Commission first. Here in Collier County, we have two districts that are up for election, uh, District 2 and District 4. Uh, there are... Um, uh, in, in District 2, um, there's a Democrat running and, and uh, four Republicans. And so with the Democrat running, that primary race is closed to Republicans. So uh, that'll be a race. Um, and and uh, that's not really new news. What the new news was in District 4, uh, there were four Republicans running there, including Penny Taylor, who's the incumbent. And up until last Wednesday, um, that race was going to be what's called a universal race, which means that everybody, since there were no challengers, no Democrats or MPAs or write-ins, that race would have been uh, available to anybody to vote in the, in, in the county, including Democrats, etc. cetera. Um, last Wednesday, uh, there was a write-in candidate registered, which closed that race. So now only Republicans can vote in that primary. Hmm. Um, so that's, that, that's interesting. Um, and a big and a big change in terms of uh, uh, how that race might shape out. Yeah, you know, um, just a a com- if I might comment, it's that the the notion that you register as a Republican or Democrat only allows you to only vote for candidates in that particular party during the primaries. Uh, it has repercussions. It's a two-edged sword, isn't it? It is. Um, you know, on a, on a philosophical level, I, you know, I, uh, 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 and an intellectual level, I would. Uh, uh, you know, uh, support what, what's called in other states an open race yeah. or open candidacy. Um, you know, we do have a two-party system, essentially. There hasn't been an NPA that's won a race in Florida ever. Mm. <laughs> so um, it, it, what, what the way the race in District 4 was shaping up is, uh, and I'm going to be blunt here, uh, Penny Taylor 
who is the incumbent, uh, was uh, is if you look at the the dollars that are being donated to her, they're largely coming from Democrats. Hmm. I mean, at, at least thirty percent, uh, I'm told, of her numbers are coming from Democrats. So uh, that gives her a huge edge. Uh, I'm not a particular fan of of her based on what she's done uh, relative to um, you know our uh, our masking issues and relative to what she's done on our um, Bill of Rights. Uh, effort. So uh, personally and tactically, I'm glad to see that race closed. Mm. Um, mm. It is the law. So it's taking advantage of what's there. Um, again, we can't support or tell people who to vote for or against, but I'm glad to see that be a, a now a competitive race um, on, yeah. on, on what's what I would call a level playing field from a party point of view. Absolutely. Now, any comments at all on the school board race? That's so important and usually neglected and overlooked. Oh, it's it's a huge race. It's coming up on August 23rd. And what shocks me is the vast majority, and I'll say this a couple times, the vast majority of people do not understand that 90% of school board members get elected in the primary. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Collier County, we have three candidates running for District 1, three candidates running for District 2, and five candidates to, running for District 5 that are all qualified. Um, so... Um, it, 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 from my perspective, and again, I have to be careful here, but from my perspective, uh, it's important to drive that race uh, to the general. And, and and so what that means is, um, you know, get out and vote. Um, uh, you know, support the candidate you think is the best candidate uh, for the future of our education system. Uh, but um, I'd love to see that race, uh, each of those five or those three districts go to the general race uh, and and make the uh, if the incumbent's going to win that race, make them earn it. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, so I'll, I'll go. Probably... You you can't say this, but I'll say this. Let's get rid of the incumbents. <laughs> Let's vote in some new new folks because right now we've been right. kind of stuck in the mud with a lot of policy things that are keeping mediocrity. I think in our schools, public schools. Yeah. At, at a at a federal level, uh, a, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Byron Donalds has a Republican challenger. I don't think there's any serious challenge against that. Uh, and uh, Kathleen, uh, um, you know, both of our state reps have um, uh, Democratic challenges, but there's, you know, there's no challenger in the primary. Uh, Pasadomo, uh, Senator Pasadomo has no challenger, so she's uh, she's essentially elected. So. Uh, that's an update on all of that. Well, thank you for that. Uh, by the way, uh, Kathleen Pasadena will serve as our president of the Senate in the next term, provided that, of course, the uh, Republicans maintain the majority in the Senate. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting things happened there at the last minute uh, that, that I, I don't think will change that. Uh, but uh, Senator Ray Rodriguez uh, didn't d- decided to, to do something different. And uh, so he has a new... Uh, uh, a, a new, you know, a, 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 there's a new, uh, um, uh, Jonathan Martin is running in that race. He's really un, essentially unopposed, so he's almost guaranteed of getting that election um, in, in Lee County. And uh, and then when Manny Diaz left uh, to become the commissioner of education, that opened up that seat. Uh, but a, a House representative by the name of Avilia uh, has stepped into that race and is actually running unopposed so she's effectively elected as well so you know it's pretty likely that those two seats will say it's almost a certainty that those two states will say republican which uh, should continue to give the 
the Florida uh, Senate, uh, the majority of uh, a Republican majority. Thank you, Keith. And uh, before I let you go, any upcoming events? And we have a big event to, uh, tomorrow. Uh, so it's actually over in uh, St. Lucie County. Um, it's with uh, Sam Sorbo. For those who don't know Sam, uh, she's uh, an amazing um, leader in, in the area of uh, home education. Uh, she chooses it not to call it homeschooling because uh, her concern is that we've all been schooled and what we really need to do is get back to education. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, we have an event called Underground Education. It's a, a day and a half event tomorrow evening uh, over in St. Louis County and all day uh, Saturday. Uh, it's priced really low. And if you use our FLCA code, you get even a further discount. So while it's a bit of a hike for folks, um, Come join us. All right. You'll find it an amazing uh, opportunity, and she is she is terrific. So. Keith, I'd like to acknowledge uh, you and the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Pastor Rick just doing a great job in terms of in- increasing the level and quality of education here in Florida through your uh, lobbying efforts up in uh, Tallahassee. They're doing great work, and I encourage our listeners to go to your website, goflca.com. Goflca.com. Keith, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Thank you, Bob. You and your listeners have a great weekend. You as well, Keith. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. Michael is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. Absolutely beautiful, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Michael, I know a lot of folks are, are waiting for the decision on Roe v. Wade. It's not really Roe v. Wade, but uh, what's going to happen with abortion from the Supreme Court. But uh, I understand that there's some uh, decisions that could be uh, affect our health care, especially for seniors. That's right. So you've got we have tens of a hundred million people or uh, or more who get their health care from the government who get health insurance through the Medicare program or the Medicaid program. Right. And these programs spend hundreds of billions or a trillion or more dollars uh, of taxpayer money on health care. And there's always litigation about these, about how the government spends that money. And the Supreme Court just handed down two decisions that could affect seniors' health care. One having to do with hospitals and how much Medicare pays them for drugs, where the hospitals won, and another having to do with how much Medicare pays the private health insurance companies that provide benefits to Medicare enrollees through Medicare Advantage. Those health insurance companies lost. Uh, When the hospitals won, that meant Medicare was going to be paying them more than the Medicare bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. wanted. Uh, this is uh, what we call the 340B program. Uh, the hospitals that are able to participate in that, they get lower prices from drug companies and other hospitals. But Medicare, the, the court ruled, still has to pay them, reimburse those hospitals just as much as it pays the hospitals that don't participate in that program. Huh. So if you're one of those ho- hospitals, that's another $1.6 billion of government spending that's going to go to those hospitals. You like that decision a lot. It makes in, uh, covering Medicare enrollee or treating Medicare enrollees more profitable. Uh, I might argue that that results in overspending on those enrollees, but uh, uh, Congress is going to have to do something to, to change that because the Supreme Court said the Medicare bureaucrats can't do that on their own. So if I understand correctly, this is this is a decision that should be, should benefit seniors because there will be more availability. Uh, uh, vendors will be more likely to accept Medicare. Yes, uh, you, you, that's a very intuitive argument, but hospitals are not about to stop participating in Medicare. Uh, they were they were not going to uh, cease participating in Medicare if they lost this case. Medicare is already immensely profitable. Uh, for for hospitals, so I don't really see this as having an impact on that. I see. Uh, I see this as really just unnecessary uh, government spending. Huh. Uh, the other case is one where seniors might feel a more concrete impact. About forty percent of seniors enroll in what we call Medicare Advantage plans, which is where Medicare writes checks to private health insurance companies and they provide coverage to enrollees. Medicare varies the amount it pays the private insurance companies according to the health status of each individual enrollee because you got to pay the insurance companies more to cover a sick person than to cover a healthy person or, they, or else they just won't do it. Mm-hmm. 
And the way they determine what those extra payments are going to be for sick people is by diagnosis. The more diagnoses a Medicare enrollee gets from a doctor, the more Medicare will pay the insurance companies. So you can see the obvious incentive. The insurance companies, they want to log every diagnosis, uh, even find new diagnoses so that they can get higher payments from Medicare. Hmm. Well, Medicare has noticed that sometimes insurance companies are over-diagnosing these patients and just so that they can get higher payments from Medicare. And so they tried to adjust those payments down to account for these over-diagnoses. And uh, the courts uh, uh, have said, yes, Medicare can do that, even though the insurance companies were suing to stop them. The courts have said Medicare can do that. The Supreme Court let a lower court ruling stand. And so now the insurance companies are going to keep getting smaller payments from Medicare, which means some of those insurance companies might stop participating in the Medicare Advantage program. This is something that happens more often than the hospitals deciding not to participate in Medicare. Huh. So some of them might stop participating or they might curtail some of the extra benefits that Medicare enrollee, the Medicare Advantage enrollees get from those plans. So there's going to have to be some uh, remarketing or some uh, certainly some education on the part of policyholders for people that hold advantage plans in Medicare. If, if in fact, uh, now this is a decision that has hasn't passed yet, right? This is this was the Supreme Court a few days ago saying we're not even going to review the lower court ruling. We're going to let that lower court. Ruling. Ah, okay. So it's it's a fait accompli at this point. And uh, therefore, a lot of us will be getting some phone calls and getting some messages from our insurance companies telling how reimbursement is going to work going forward in the future. That may be the case. And, uh, you know, one of the attractive things about these private Medicare Advantage plans is they do offer additional benefits that traditional Medicare does not offer, uh, like dental and uh so some of these plans, and they've been able to do that because Medicare pays them so much. Yeah. And they may not be able to offer all of those benefits. Ah. But you know what? The, the, the real problem here is that Medicare is subsidizing health care for seniors by writing checks to insurance companies instead of writing checks to seniors and letting seniors decide what benefits are important to them and letting seniors' natural cost consciousness curb these efforts by insurance and and, and competition between insurance companies, curb these efforts by insurance companies to overcharge for health insurance and hospitals to overcharge for prescription drugs and so forth. So if the Medicare program looked like the Social Security program, where it just gives the money to seniors, we would not be having this litigation before the Supreme Court. We would not, either of these cases, there would be much less uh, money wasted on that. And both hospitals and insurance companies would be spending their resources trying to please Medicare enrollees rather than trying to rip off taxpayers as much as they could. Oh, Michael, well, we certainly would look forward to that. I hope you and uh, others at the Cato Institute can have some influence on uh, our legislators. It would be great to get back to... Uh, for example, uh, for me, for Linda and I, we'd choose a catastrophic care type of insurance program, maybe $10,000 deductible, and health savings plans. That would be a great way for us to go because we don't have a lot of health issues, but uh, others do. 
And unfortunately, the, their choices are limited at this point, and uh, the federal government has too much to do with our own health care. Amen to that. All right. Michael Canigan, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be here, Bob. Take thank, care. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Mike uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we do exist to reduce the size, open, sewer influence of government, and uh, not a lot of people do. Well, I think a lot of people uh, would like to see it go that direction. We just encourage you to keep up the good work. And by the way, you, you wrote a good piece here on uh, it's called Frankenstein's Monsters. DC created big tech. We hope we know we know how this ends. Maybe you could tell us about it. 
Yes, of course, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein in 1818 when I believe she was, I think they probably, when she was 20, wow. uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Dr. Victor Frankenstein creates this monster out of human parts and electrifies the life. And, and the, the monster ends up dominating and controlling the, the, his creator. And... Eventually, they both die, uh, and I'm hoping that's what happens with big tech and uh, DC. Yeah, because these DC creative big tech, I, I, you know, I don't think they intended to, but 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 what they did with uh, Section 230 was they gave them so much blanket immunity from anything that they can grow completely protected and completely unchecked, and. Section 230 was in 1996. They passed this little section of law that says they can't be sued for libel or slander or any of that stuff. And it just—it's it, been a blanket under which they've grown to be, you know, multi-trillion-dollar companies. Um, so now that they're that big, there's all you know, as, as we the people start figuring out. Well, this is a bit of a problem, and it's bad for the economy. It's bad for society, actually. Right. Um, we need government to rein them in. Well, we have all kinds, for years and years now, we've had all kinds of lip service paid by D.C. to reining in big tech companies. Uh, you know, their, their, their privacy, their, their, their data collection uh, has got to be reined in. It's completely out of control. They can, you know, and we've had privacy law discussions for 10 years now, right? and it never gets anywhere. Uh, we, we talk about, um, now they're doing the antitrust, because they're so, they, they let the companies get so big that now they're talking about breaking them up and, and, and bringing them down. Well, I, I would bet all the money in my pockets versus all the money in your pockets that the antitrust legislation will get just as far as the privacy legislation. All right. And the reason all this, you know, and then, of course, you know, that's just the inaction on to benefit big tech. Then, of course, there's the action to benefit big tech. There's, you know, we obviously very badly need some sort of data privacy legislation. Right. You, we can debate the antitrust, but there's zero, there's literally no law in the books limiting what they can do with our data. None. Zero. Obviously, that's a, a bit of a problem, and that needs to be addressed. What doesn't need to be addressed? Net neutrality does not need to be addressed. Right. The, 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 the premise by net neutrality is Comcast will block you from going to ABC because they own NBC. Well, that's never, ever, ever happened. Ever. Right. It, it, that's never, ever happened. There's no legitimate reason even for it. Um, they've never passed legislation to do it. But what do we see over and over and over again from D.C.? Yeah, they jam through net neutrality over and over and over again, and the courts tell them they can't do it, and Trump reverses it, and then Biden comes in and goes, "Oh, we're going to do it again." Yeah, because big because big tech wants it. Yeah. So, so what are we going to do about uh, privacy? I mean, is is there anything at all that will, uh, for example, require these companies to do full disclosure or and or somehow uh, allow us not to participate in their sharing of our information? Well, yeah, there's all kinds of things that are proposed. You know, 
for example, the, the analogy I like is you can't use Tiger Woods' face without permission. You know, there's, there's, you have personal autonomy. Well, that should be the same online. Hmm. Your data is your online persona, and you can't use it without my permission. Well, the, the, the way it's the way it's set up, you know, you you, you sign these forty-page forms. You know, you, you click accept, yeah. and you give away everything. Right, and there's no transparency, and there's and you know. One of the things you could do is, is tell the companies, if this person chooses to, they can come to you and say, give me all my data that you've collected on me. And they can at least know what you, you know, what they have on you. And of course, none of this exists because there's never been a law passed to do it because big tech doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. How about, how about an opt out, for example, to say that, uh, yeah, I mean, what would be the financial repercussions of that for these companies and for the well, consumer? Well, that would be that would be that would be devastating. I mean, you know, Google, Google's involved in all sorts of things, but everything they do is funded by their data collection uh, on their on their search engine and mm-hmm. their and, and their attending products. You know, you Google Google products like you know email and 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 documents and and all that. But all of that, all those things are offered for free because you're 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 the product for sale. All those things allow them to collect more data on you. Um, and that's their entire business model. That's what that's what made Google a one and a half trillion dollar company is data collection and, and monetization of the data they've collected. You know what's sad is I don't think the uh, Congress has an appetite to look at any of this stuff. They'd rather look at red flag laws around the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that re- the red flag laws get rushed through. Yeah, I mean they're voting on it this morning. John Cornyn laughs at people who say perhaps we should read the bill first. It's only eighty pages. How long does it take to read? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I live in Texas now, and I I lived in Texas when Cornyn first ran in '02. He he was an embarrassment then. Um, he was awful as Attorney General when he first ran. He he ran from Senate from being Attorney General. And he's just terrible and, and dismissive. And, and again, I, I say this over and over and over again now. The, the, the Republicans are running on, we're not the Democrats. Yet they repeatedly side with Democrats on a whole host of issues. Yeah. These stupid red flag laws, these gun control laws, the stupid war in Ukraine. Um, over and over and over again, their entire platform is, we're not them. But they are them. Yeah. They keep voting for them. Yeah. You know, I, I have a theory, uh, Seton, that, that we have a Make America Great Again uh, a party within a party. It's within the Republican Party. But it, it will, you know, ultimately, we're starting to purge rhinos, I think. Uh, and uh, ultimately, my hope is that the party will become more and more synonymous with Make America Great Again. Well, well, we, we I'm having deja vu back to the Tea Party. Yeah where the Tea Party came out gangbusters in 2010. And what did, what did, DC, what did the D.C. Republicans do to the Tea Party? Yeah, they, I know. They smothered it in the crib, and they, and they basically commandeered it and took it over. I said, after the 2020 election heist, I said, now would be the time for Trump to start his own party, to, to just get out from under this fossilized structure 
that is the GOP and 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 run people like the young lady I can't remember her name who just won the in border district yeah. yeah in Texas for the first time in a hundred years for for you know those you know we're we're having these fights all over the place uh-huh. McConnell endorses one Senate candidate and Trump endorses another yeah and we see that oh we saw that in Georgia with Herschel Walker he hated McConnell hated Herschel Walker. But it was so obvious he was going to win. McConnell had to go, okay. Um, But over and over and over again, you know, we get these idiot candidates, these establishment candidates, and then, you know, God bless Trump for existing and and getting involved in the primaries and picking people. Bo Brooks versus the the young lady in in Alabama. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, You know, over and over and over again, we have this fight in the primary between the establishment GOP and the you know, what do you what do you want to call it the Patriot Party the MAGA Party the yeah American, I would American I would Party. I would I would I would say it's the Bush legacy versus the Donald Trump is what I see so oh, it goes way back longer than Bush yeah I mean it, 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 it way predates the Bushes yes Seton Motley again founder and president of Less Government I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org and of course Less Government on Facebook as well Seton always appreciate your commentary here in the show thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. 
Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, it's my pleasure. First question to ask is, uh, how's the uh, hip doing? Wow, thanks for asking, Bill. Doing fine. I mean, I'm uh, mainly uh, muscle contractions and things like that. My muscles and tendons are not happy with me. But went to see the doctor on uh, was it just on uh, Tuesday, and yeah. uh, he all good reports. So I'm just really, uh, really pleased with uh, how I'm progressing. Thank That's you. Great. Thank That's you, Bill. Definitely good. Good news. Yeah. So shame about Myra Daniels, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, she lived a good life. But she died, what, age 90, 96 on Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Myra and I go back a long time. Unfortunately, they didn't put it in the paper. I'm not looking for press, but I knew her. She came to me. I was one of the first persons she came to when she had the idea of the film and what she wanted to do. And she told me she was going to do it. And uh, and she did it. That's yeah. the long and short of it. But yeah. um, yeah, we knew we knew each other for many, many, many years. Yeah, good, yeah. good lady. Yeah, I, I certainly lady. had an opportunity to know her as well, and uh, she was so focused and so determined, uh, a real leader, a real champion of uh, for, in so many different ways. My understanding, this could be apocryphal, Bill, but the story that I heard is that she wanted to uh, start the Phil, the Philharmonic, and so she yeah. went out, and started knocking on doors. Yeah, she did. And uh, the lady, one of her uh, people said, well, uh, you put me down for 25 And uh, she said, what, $25? And she said, no, 25000 25000 <laughs> Yeah, she, she told me that's exactly what she was going to do. She asked me if I knew anybody. And, you know, uh, back then I didn't know a lot of people, but I knew enough because I was just, uh, I think I was just starting on council. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, Bob, I... Um, uh, I think it broke her heart kind of when when the board, when she, I don't know, was volunteer retirement or she was asked to retire or whatever the story was there. I, I think that kind of took a chunk out of her. You yeah. know, um, I, I, don't, I don't know that fact, but I know that from, you know, doing other things with her after and what have you. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think it had to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was her baby, and uh, with that moment, no matter when it came, had to be very painful for her and very difficult. I will say this, uh, just focusing on the positive, and when you think about the contribution that the Philharmonic, uh, let's or the oh, artist Naples, yeah. as is known today, what an impact it's had on our community, on making uh, Naples a desirable place to come, and it's just been fantastic. Yeah, there, there's no two ways about it. It, it was a big... A big piece of the puzzle, okay, putting Naples together, so to speak, and it fit in, you know, it had a, a space that was open for so long. And when that fill came along, there was another piece that made it, like you said, that, that made made Naples uh, a great place to come uh, live and visit because of, of what it did for us. Yeah, absolutely. Or it does for us, I should say, yeah. So, uh, yeah. well, just to thank Myra for her contributions and to think of her uh, going forward as a, just a great founder here in the in the city of Naples. I, I'm, just at the same time, though, I'd like to acknowledge the Bakers for their tremendous generosity in so many different ways. Oh, for sure. I mean, Patty and Jay are still just, they're just champions. There's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, um, City News, Bob. Yes, so um, I found out the other day, and I actually spoke with him, that uh, 
Well, you know Greg Strackel, who was the head of our streets and stormwater, left for a job in Bakersfield, California. And that was a couple of months ago, and he's settled in and happy as can be. Great. And uh, his uh, number one man was uh, uh, Andy Holland, a terrific young man. uh, And uh, he's leaving. He gave notice the other day. And um, Mm. when I I spoke with him, um, you know, the bottom line, Bob, was that they're just um, they're still all over the place and the stormwater pipe thing on on that they're the outfalls that they've been trying to work on and now they're getting um letters from attorneys and everything from the people on third third street um north don't want uh any part of this and um and it's um uh they said it's kind of they can go elsewhere put the place thing uh put put them elsewhere uh, we don't need a pump station on our street, and um, it's just a mess. And Andy just said, he said, I've just, he's had enough. He he said, I, I've had enough, uh, uh, and uh, he gave his notice. Uh, that, well, that's a loss, it sounds like, you know. Uh, yeah. So uh, is this uh, just not in my backyard type of a reaction on the part of the people down in uh, Gordon? Well, it's been planned and planned and planned and planned. Um, our, my, our council... Um, started it years ago um getting the design done and everything else and then this council uh started to move it forward um and uh they had all these plans and so last week they had a council meeting and uh andy was kind of under the gun and um uh they were throwing these ideas out and here's how we can do it and whatever and there were some people down there from the neighborhood that um actually one of the attorneys we know very well, he does a lot of litigation, nice young man, Tony Pires, appeared at the podium that same day and said, well, here's a few of the issues that one of my clients has and uh, just went off. And the next thing you know, they were getting, I guess they're getting letters uh, from attorneys from the residents. Uh, so um, I don't think that's going to fly for a while. Hmm. And uh, with counsel on break, we'll just have to see what happens when they come back. But he's gone. Yeah. I asked him, I said, you have something in mind? He says, well, I've got a couple of things. Um, I mean, it won't be hard for him to get a job. He can work for, for oh, my gosh, he yeah. can kind of write his own ticket. Maybe so, so but I'm not sure I, I'm not sure that uh, Bakersfield, for as an example, is a move up <laughs> in terms of a place to live. Bakers- oh, no. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, oh, you're talking about Greg Strackaloo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let me tell you. He was he came from there originally, oh. all right, in his family. Uh-huh. And and uh, here's the answer to that question. There's four. He'll, he's he's in charge of a, term, a department that has 400 employees. Wow. Okay. It was a definite, definite move up, and uh, he's very, very happy out there. Fantastic. So, yeah. Normally, I would agree with you, but um, yeah, no. And he had family and relatives out there, and kids are happy, and uh, so I, I'm on uh, Facebook with him. So yeah, yeah and that, he, that, he's another nice guy that man. that makes all the difference in the world. Again, Bill Barnett, our former mayor of Naples, keeping us up to date and everything that's going on here, including stormwater. And moves within the uh, the employees of, uh, in uh, the city of Naples. Genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a good week and uh, stay well. You as well. Thank you, Bill. 
Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got a terrific program lined up for you tomorrow, including special guest William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Corporal Eric Grunderman from the Collier County Sheriff's Office will be joining us, Will. We're talking about uh, a special program for summer readers and young kids. We'll also visit with Judge Stephen McGuire. Uh, he is uh, uh, was working in government in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, but he also now has moved to this area and has written a novel or two. And we'll also visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.